Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the TR90 Body Brain 30 support call. This call happens Monday through Friday at this time, which is for me 6.40 Pacific Time, 7.40 Mountain Time, 8.40 Central Time, and 9.40 Eastern Time. Thrilled to have you along with us this morning. We are just um, really glad to have you with us. If you are listening to this on the app that's SoundCloud, if you want to catch us live, dial in to 712-775-8972. When it prompts for the conference code, put in 910022, and we would be thrilled to have you along with us. So if you're listening to us live and ever miss us, you can pick us up on SoundCloud or wherever you get your podcasts from by putting in Frank, F-R-A-N-K, Lomas, L-O-M-A-S, and TR90, or Frank Lomas and Solutions, the digit for anti-aging. And these calls are archived back more than 11 years at this point, 11 plus years. We've had a host of uh, hosts over the years. So um, there's lots of really good information that's archived on those calls. When you're first starting out with the TR90 program, that is your one really good clean meal a day. Two shakes a day, 30 grams of protein at at least three of those meals. Uh, let's see. Taking your supplements 15 to 20 minutes for a meal is best. If not, take them with your meal. Still work, just not quite as effective as it would be if it were beforehand. Making sure to... Um, Drink plenty of water to stay hydrated. And the current thinking is one ounce of water for every two pounds you weigh. So if you weigh 100 pounds, you should be drinking 50 ounces of water daily. And if you're exercising heavily or if you're in a humid area, you'll need to increase that to offset what you're losing in body moisture from either of those two situations. Seven to nine hours of good quality sleep at night is really important. It really sets your brain up for making good decisions, but it your body does a whole series of what I like to call system resets while you are sleeping. And so getting plenty of really good quality sleep is really important. But, uh, let's see, seven plus servings of fruits and vegetables every single day, that will give you macronutrients. It'll give you micronutrients, and it will give you fiber. And for good digestive health, guys should be getting about 45 grams of fiber daily. Ladies, we need about 32 grams of fiber daily for the same exact reason, making sure to get uh, also 30 minutes of moderate to heavy exercise at least five days a week. And that's really an important part of this lifestyle change. So do keep that in mind. And with that, I am going to be sharing some information um, out of a book that's called Fat Chance Beating the Odds Against Sugar, Processed Food, Obesity, and Disease. It was written by Robert H. Lustig, MD, MSL. Uh, There's a wealth of information. Yesterday I started talking about how the food industry um, has been giving us some arguments as to why we should be having sugar in our food 
And the first two were, of course, fructose doesn't raise blood glucose. The second one was switch them up, fructose for glucose. The third one, which we'll be starting with today, is the food label is right there. And the fourth one is it's all about supply and demand. So, starting out with the food industry, food industry argues that the information on sugar and fiber in our food is right there on the nutritional facts label in plain sight for all to see. Based on that information, people can make their own conscious decisions. Not quite. Under the carbohydrate heading, the nutritional facts label lists total sugars. This signifies all a combination of all versions of monosaccharides, which include glucose, fructose, and galactose, which is milk sugar, and all disaccharides, including maltose, glucose-glucose found in beer, lactose, glucose-glucose found in dairy, and sucrose, glucose-fructose found everywhere. For instance, one cup of low-fat milk has 12 grams of sugar, which comes from lactose. The galactose is not a problem, as it is metabolized to glucose and does not pose a significant health threat, unless you have the disease glycotoxemia, in which case you've been, you'd have died of an overwhelming infection from before you were two months old. Furthermore, the fructose that is found naturally in many foods is also not a problem. This amount is usually small and invariably there is some associated fiber, which limits its negative effect. All natural juice may not contain added sugar, but because the fiber has been removed from it, it's just a sugar-sweetened beverage. Again, ounce for ounce, juice has more fructose and more calories than soft drink. What about canned fruit? The fruit itself is fine, but they can't add water to the can because the sugar in the fruit will leach it up. Instead, they add sugar syrup in high concentration to keep the fruit sweet and soft and to prevent spoilage. It's the added sugar that we need to know about, which is always either sucrose or high fructose corn syrup, or F, uh, HFCS, put in the food specifically by the food industry for palatability and shelf life. Likewise, we need to know how much fiber, including, included in how much has been removed. But you're not allowed to know this. The Nutritional Labeling and Education Act, or NLEA, of 1990 allows for the declaration of total sugars as a whole. There is no differentiation between them for provision or provision for added sugars. The FDA stated that there was no specific evidence to argue that the body makes any distinction between natural or added sugar. The inclusion of added sugars in the label underrepresents the sugar content of the food, high in endogenesis or natural sugars. 
However, the fiber is the mitigating factor, not the sugar. Lastly, the FDA believes that there would be no way to enforce a rule and the food industry would have no impetus to conform to it. But the real reason we're not allowed to know is pressure from the food industry lobbyists. Their argument to the FDA in 1989 was, if we listed the added sugars on the label, then all of our competitors could duplicate our recipes. This is proprietary information, and we won't release it. And the FDA bought that argument. Do you? You may not believe the premise, but you buy the products. You'll also notice that there are the recommended daily values for every one of the other nutrients on the food label. But there is no recommended daily value or dietary reference intake, DRI, for sugar, either natural or added. I recently had the occasion to sit on a panel with Sam Cass, Michelle Obama's personal chef, and her point man to the White House Childhood Obesity Task Force. I asked him straight up, why is there no DRI for sugar? His response might surprise you. Why would you need a DRI for something that is not a nutrient? Wow, sugar is not a nutrient. That might be news to the USDA. I actually kind of agree with Mr. Cass. Sugar is certainly not an essential nutrient in the sense that there is not a single, one single biochemical reaction that requires it. Sugar is extraneous, and our bodies certainly don't need it. As elaborated before, sugar is more toxin than it ever was a nutrient. So number four, it's all about supply and demand, and this is the food industry's argument here. There are two philosophies of marketing. The food industry has mar mastered both. One, we give the public what it wants, and the second one, if you build it, they will come. So we are going to dive a little bit into we will give the public what it wants. The food industry is just responding to the need by filling a niche in the American economy. But how is the industry, how the industry would like to be portrayed as reactive, quote unquote, portion sizes in this country are significantly larger than they were 20 years ago. You buy a larger portion because you feel you're getting a better deal. You buy more, you eat more. Everyone wins. Well, not everybody. The food industry wins by selling more. The middleman wins by loving the markup, and the government wins by levying the sales tax. You lose. Second one, if you build it, they will come. This is the real story, depending on the, on a market out of nowhere or being proactive. And as I like to tell my children, advertising is necessary only for products that we don't want and don't need. The food industry, manufacturers, retailers, and food service is outranked only by the automobile industry in terms of monetary expenditure for marketing. Like it or not, we are influenced by our choices and by what the media 
tell us to want, especially our children. You may, quote, unquote, know that you should eat more fruits and vegetables, but how many commercials do you and your kids watch that say so? Less than 5% of all food advertising dollars is spent by the fruit and vegetable and grain sectors. The government and USDA can't compete with the almost unlimited funds of the food industry. In 1997, USDA spent $300 million to promote healthy eating. In comparison to the 11 billion, with a B, 11 billion, spent advertising junk food, of which 4.2 billion was directed at children. That fast food, that fast food, and beverage companies sponsor teams and sporting events, charity walks, and other physical activity-related venues to take the heat off the sugar they peddle as an American as apple pie. It's another thing entirely for them to finance the uniforms, the scoreboards for schools around the country. In exchange for financial compensation, schools sign exclusive marketing contracts with beverage companies to permit on-campus advertising. Although through products, through product donations, scoreboards, signs, clothing, and other school supplies. The more beverages sold, the more money for the school, the more profits for the company. In a 2000 survey, 72% of California high schools allowed advertising for fast food and beverages on campus, while only 13% prohibited it. If you think it's bad in the United States, try Latin America. Consumption of soft drinks doubled in Mexico in seven years despite the fact that 75% of Mexican adults are currently overweight. Coca-Cola sponsors more physical activity programs than all other companies put together. So that's a case of where they grease their palms to grease the wheels. And if you can't beat them, join them. Despite the rhetoric, the food industry knows it has a problem. Enter the, a new market of quote-unquote functional foods. At PepsiCo, chairwoman... Nidra Nier, uh, Noyi is so eloquently stated in the New Yorker, May 16, 2011, it's not a question of selling less, it's a question of selling the right stuff. In response to the obesity pandemic, Pepsi now has three lines, fun for you, chips and soda, better for you, juice and jerk, beef jerky, and good for you. For example, the whole grains, fruits, vegetables, and low-fat dairy and nuts. Americans know that they're gaining weight and that they should be eating healthier. So the food industry helps us, helps us assuage our guilt with processed foods, the products labeled natural and whole wheat, or containing extra nutrients. You buy them, probably paying extra, feel better about eating them, None of these taglines has any meaningful definition, and there is little to no regulation about when they can be used. We are currently in a throwback mode. Many 
soft drink manufacturers such as Pepsi are substituting sucrose for a high fructose corn syrup based on the myth that sucrose is more natural, therefore better for you. Sobe drinks with 100% of your daily vitamin C requirements are essentially flavored sugar water. Just because you don't feel any guilt doesn't mean your body won't feel the effects. Promise, if all of the high fructose containing candy bars in the world somehow mysteriously were replaced by their sucrose containing equivalents, they would still be junk food and your body wouldn't know the difference, although they might cost more and you might bulk at the increased price. Investors are watching Pepsi carefully. If it promotes its good-for-you line, it has reduced the marketing of its fun-for-you line to the tune of $349 million. In the process, Pepsi-Cola has fallen to third place in the soft drink sales behind Coke and Diet Coke. It remains to be seen if what is essentially a junk food company can recreate itself. If not, don't expect any risk-taking from others. So who's in charge? If there's any lesson to be gleaned from this information, it's that food is health. But while you are ostensibly in charge of your health, you're clearly not in charge of your food. In fact, those who are in charge of your food are doing their level best to make a buck off you. Food companies in the year 2010 generated nearly $1 trillion in sales. And if your health goes down the tubes, that's your problem. But it's not just your problem. It's everyone's problem. The cigarette industry also was chastised for an irrational business model, poisoning your best customer is not considered a growth strategy. But if you can hook more people on the front end, you can guarantee your supply of users so you can afford to lose a few. The food industry has a leg up on this model corner the food market and people will have no place else to go. Is it any wonder that the food industry in the middle of two negative trends, the economic downturn and the obesity pandemic, is making money hand over fist? And with that, I am going to let you go for today. Top of the hour, if you scoot over to Facebook, One Team Global Live. One of our leaders will be sharing some information about how to build a new business and what um, might be happening within the company. With that, this is Susan Mann for February 24th, 2023, signing out. I would welcome any thoughts, comments you may have, and have a great day, and see you back here on Sunday. So there we have it, my friends. Hope that that was of benefit to you. I think on Monday I'll try to jump back into uh, talking about sleep because, as they say, getting your fruits and vegetables closer to their source, the better you are because it has the fiber and the micronutrients you actually need. If there's no other thoughts or comments, stay safe and warm out there since it's still winter. And we had about four to six inches of snow here in Portland, Oregon. And 
We'll see you back here after the weekend. Have a great day, one and all.